Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Oh, well, it's so good to be with you. Um, as we were singing, I was reminded of um, a couple of days ago, I was reminded of the same thing, actually. We were singing this hymn, this great hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I remember growing up singing this song. And <clears throat> what I remember most about that song is it was the favorite song of my great aunt Edie. She was a great aunt, both in like relation because she was my great aunt, but she was also a great aunt. Um, she was a dear, dear lady who... Um, who had about the development ability of about an elementary school person back, you know, in her 60s and 70s. She was my grandpa's sister, and she would come to visit from time to time, and we spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up. And Aunt Edie was great, because you knew you'd be able to play a game of baseball. She was all in, all in on baseball. She was all in on playing a game of Old Maid, and she loved peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. Some of you are like, ugh, you know. Others of you are like, mm, maybe not. So I grew up enjoying peanut butter pickle sandwiches, playing Old Maid, and um, listening to my aunt sing the words, what a friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs to bear. We can sing a word like that as God's children, because God has done an amazing redemptive work in and through us by Jesus dying on the cross and rising again to conquer sin and death in the grave. And with our faith in him, we can say, man, not only is God omnipotent, all-powerful, not only is he omniscient, all-knowing, he is actually our friend. He's our friend. We're going to talk about prayer this morning. And prayer is one of those things that, I don't know about you, it's not always my default, right? In my life, sometimes I get frustrated about something, and I'd rather go on my own rant about it rather than say, hmm, I can take this to the Lord in prayer. I'd rather have something broken in my house and say, how am I going to fix this because I'm a fixer? <clears throat> rather than say, all right, Lord, would you provide what I need? God, I, I've got water coming in my house. What do I do now? No, I'm like, oh, I've got water in my house, right? Um, I, I would even rather, I would even rather sometimes work on writing a sermon rather than going to God in prayer. What is it about us where we struggle to engage with God on this personal level? I, I, personal level re- really describes what prayer is, and I think that's maybe one of the hard things for us. We, we, we've had relationships that have hit hard times. We've had decisions made, and we go, God can't love me in the midst of this. And prayer at its very core is it's an attitude, an expression of dependence, but even more than that, it's a building of a relationship with a God who loves you and who's redeemed you. It's a building of a relationship. We're going to look at prayer today because we've been studying the armor of God. We've we've been studying from Ephesians chapter 6 what it means to put on the armor of God. And at the very end of this passage, you can turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, by the way. (coughs) 
in this passage, as he comes to the end of put this on and put this on and put this on, he's got seven things he tells them to put on. He goes into a mini couple verses all about prayer. One of, one of the things we've, we've tried to, to, to communicate as we've studied the armor of God is all that we need is found in Christ. He is our righteousness. He is our peace. He is our, um, our, the one who strengthens us when our faith is weak. He, he brings to us salvation. He gives us himself. He gives us his word, which, is, which cuts to the heart of every issue and stands against the falsehoods that we encounter. And at the end of this, he talks about prayer. And I love the way that one person put it. He says, Paul wants his readers to understand that prayer is foundational for the deployment of all the other weapons. And it is therefore crucial that they stand firm in their spiritual struggle. And even as we begin to read this passage today, I just want to ask you, how are you standing? The key to putting on this armor is not pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's about going to God and saying, God, I need you. And that relationship is cultivated in prayer. Even as we talk about prayer today, I can tell you all about prayer but here's the thing, I can pray for you, but I can't take the relationship that God wants to develop with you, right? I can develop my own relationship with God by prayer. I can come before the Father and say, God, would you give this person what they need? Would you give that person what they need? But what I can't do is pray on your behalf so that you can experience the relationship with God apart from engaging with him. Does that make sense? In other words, I can pray for you, but I can't pray for you. Does that make sense? English, it's a great language, right? Um, I can pray for you, but I can't pray for you. It's something that we're called to engage in. It's something that we only experience the amazing gift of walking with God when we put all other things aside and we say, all right, God, here I so, would you stand with me one more time as we read this morning? <clears throat> I'll be reading from the New International Version today because I left my Bible at my in-law's house this last weekend. So we're going back to the old school, the one I grew up on here. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me 
so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Our Father and our King, would you teach us today? Would you lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake? Will you help us, God, by revealing your truth? And Father, I even thank you now that when we struggle to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. God, there may be some here today who are just struggling to pray. God, we trust that you intercede <coughs> for them and that you meet them in their need. We bless you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. So, a couple of caveats when it comes to prayer. A couple of considerations when it comes to prayer. When it comes to prayer, Jesus puts it this way. He says to his disciples, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Prayer is this central point at which we go to God and we're reminded without him, we can do nothing. The other, another caveat or another um, uh, consideration I want you to consider as we look at prayer today is that as disciples, we are learners. We are learners. As I went to go study prayer this week, I studied prayer, and then what I ended up doing is I went and I talked to a whole bunch of friends of mine who have been walking with God a whole lot longer than me, and I just said, hey, would you give me some thoughts and some wisdom that you've um, gleaned from your walk with God? Because you've been walking with God for much longer than I have. Ah. Oh. We're learners. To a person, I think they would all say, yeah, I've learned a lot about what it means to engage with God in prayer, but after 30 or 40 or 50 or sometimes even 60 years of following Jesus, I am still leaning in to this thing we call prayer in order to communicate with, my heavenly, with our Heavenly Father. In fact, one of them told me, he said this, <coughs> he got this, this wisdom when he was a young Christian. He said to me, he said, Jeremy, if you want to know your Savior, you need to talk to him in prayer. That's, that's years of tested, tested advice there. Another friend of mine put it this way, uh, another consideration. She said, prayer is not an activity. It's having a special relationship. See, we can talk about prayer, but where prayer really begins to change our life is when we take it on as a personal a personal thing, where we engage not just with the crowd, that's important, that's biblical, but we engage with God in a relationship. It's kind of like when I was a kid, my grandpa, um, my, my grandpa, who we spent a lot of time with, uh, he'd pick us up from school sometimes when my parents were working, and uh, one of the things my grandpa loved, he, he's just a kind, gentle man, but one of the things he loved is he loved dessert before dinner. Anybody love dessert before dinner? Yeah. All right. He loved dessert before dinner. So it wasn't uncommon to go to Sam's Club and get a ice cream cone or maybe to get a soda. And we would just go to Sam's Club in order to get that. It was 25 cents back in the day. You walked in, you got this big drink. You're like, oh man, it's sweet. It's so good. Even better than that though, what my grandpa would like to do, especially in the summer months, is a couple times a week, he'd stop by a place called Ritter's Frozen Custard. Anybody ever been to Ritter's Frozen Custard? 
Okay, the, new, the closest one is Kalamazoo, I think. It's kind of like a frozen custard place, right? And he would go, and they often went on Tuesdays. And on Tuesdays, he would get the turtle something ice cream because they made it on Tuesdays. And so if you were to ask him, Grandpa, what did you do this afternoon? You'd be sitting around the dinner table, for example. <coughs> He'd say, you know, I, I went, and your grandma and I, we stopped by Ritter's Frozen Custard, and today was Tuesday, and they had turtle something and the nuts inside this creamy vanilla ice cream, they were so good. And the chocolate sauce that was swirled into it in the caramel that was oozing out. Anybody hungry yet? It's only 10:10, and I want an ice cream cone, right? Um, <clears throat> but he would tell you about this. But the only thing better, or not the only thing, but one of the things that was infinitely better than hearing about how grandpa had experienced dessert at 3.30 in the afternoon was to actually go there with him. So he'd pick you up from school, you'd get into his big blue, blue um, Cadillac, and you'd drive down 48 in Centerville, Ohio. It's where I grew up. I grew up just south of Centerville, and we'd stop, and it was on the west side of the road, and so we'd turn, we'd make a right into it on the way home, and you just, you, you know, as you're approaching it, you're like, oh, please let today be the day that he wants dessert before dinner. We'd stop and the only thing better than hearing my grandpa describe how much he loved that ice cream was experiencing it with him. Was just engaging it, having your own bowl or your own cone of ice cream. One of the things, you're like, why are we talking about ice cream today? I'm hungry, number one. Number two, one of the things I think we need to learn more and more as it comes to prayer as we can look at it happen, but where the real enjoyment in the relationship with our Father comes is when we actually have our own bowl. Where we actually, oh, the psalmist writes it this way. He says, taste and see. See what I did there? Taste, ice cream taste, never mind. Uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If someone else is tasting and you're not tasting, you're, you're not, that word there, it's the word ta'am in Hebrew, and it means to, to taste, it means to savor and see that the Lord is good. The invitation to prayer is an invitation to, ah, oh, just sit there a while. Just take this moment and this moment and this moment and invite the conversation with your heavenly Father into that time, space. Notice what Paul says. He says this in verse 18. He says, pray in the Spirit. And what in the Spirit means, I like what one writer said. He says, in the Spirit means to be inspired or guided by the same Holy Spirit through whom we have confident access to the Father. Paul writes all about the Holy Spirit in Ephesians. He tells us that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, which happens on our day of salvation. He tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is something that we go to God to, 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 to be filled by Him for all, all things. He tells us that we're secure in our, in our walk with God and that actually the Spirit is the deposit of our inheritance of who we are. But he says this, he says, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. <clears throat> with all kinds of prayers, requests that were there could be petition. Um, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Th there's a word that's repeated here that he wants us to catch. All, all, all. It's, it's pray in all occasions, 
Pray with all kinds of prayers. Pray for all the saints. Um, Every kind of occasion. There are some occasions where we're perhaps a lot quicker to pray. You know? And there are good times to pray. We've got a friend or a family member who's had an accident or who is ill. Pray. In, in our house, if you hear a, um, if you hear a ambulance go by, whether it's fire, rescue, police, whatever, we're praying. Like, we just hear that, and we're, and we're either praying, Lord, God, give those emergency medical responders wisdom and grace to handle the situation, or we're praying, Lord, um, give the officer and the person who's getting pulled over a good conversation, because they're probably getting a ticket. Um, sometimes we see those happen. <clears throat> but it's pray on all occasions. What occasions do you normally pray for? Take that and extend it beyond those occasions to everything. Everything. I, I had a three-minute phone call with a dear friend in our church a couple weeks ago, and we just had a lot of things going on. He said, well, we, we, we handled our business in about 30 seconds, maybe a minute. And he goes, well, you sound like you have a lot of things on your plate. I do too. Could we just stop and pray that God would give us grace and wisdom for the things coming this afternoon? I was just ready to hang up the phone. And this brother was seeing this as an opportunity to pray in all occasions. What are the occasions in your life that you normally lean to to pray? What are the occasions that you say, man, I don't normally pray there, but maybe I should pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of requests and prayers? See, sometimes we come to God and, and, and it's a petition. You know, that's definitely in the text. We can pray our petitions, but prayer is not just, God, here's what I need. Prayer can be a, a, an exclamation of praise. Psalm 145 talks about praising God. It gives all those things. We read it a few minutes ago. <coughs> we can pray and declare who God is. We can say, God, you are holy. We, we, we can take the words of Scripture here and, and say, not to us, O Lord, not to us, Psalm 115, but to your name, give glory, and turn that into a prayer. We can also, so there's like three major um, divisions of prayer in Jewish thought. There's, there's um, praise, there's petition, and then there's thanksgiving. We, we can also come to God. You know, he's, he says in uh, Thessalonians, Paul says, he says, rejoice always, pray in everything, give thanks in all circumstances. Every circumstance gives us an opportunity to say, God, thank you for this. There are some opportunities in which we're in the middle of something we're going, I don't know what I can thank God for in the midst of this. But part of the development of prayer in our lives is to look for all those small blessings, look for all those ways that God is with us even in the midst of our situation. Even in the midst of our situation. Um, so he says, <clears throat> with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on. In other words, he's saying, never stop. It's, it, it's in a verbal tense that says, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep praying, keep interceding. With all this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So we're called to pray um, all kinds, or at all times, in, with all kinds of prayers all the time. And we're also called to pray for one another. I, I, I'm so thankful that I have people in my life 
who even when I don't know it, they are praying for me. I'll get random texts sometimes throughout the day saying, Pastor Jeremy, I'm praying for you, and here's what I'm praying for you. I've got a couple dear friends who I get a message from once or twice a week just to say that. What an incredible blessing. What what an incredible opportunity for us to step into. Um, Every now and then the Lord will bring a person to mind. I'm like, I don't know why that person came to mind. But when I, when I, when that happens, what I try to do, and not near perfect at this, (coughs) what I try to do is take that moment and say, well, if the Lord brought them to mind, I'm going to go ahead and pray for them. Sometimes I find out weeks, months later, at the moment I was praying for them, at the moment I would even text them, because I'll try and text them, hey, I'm praying for you right now. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm praying for you right now. What I'll try to do is, is encourage them that way. Sometimes I hear back, sometimes I don't. It's no big deal either way. But sometimes I find out, man, in the moment that I was praying for them, God was doing something in their life, and they needed prayer for something that was going on. Sometimes even my text to say, hey, I'm praying for you, has been a wake-up call to say, wait, God is in the midst of what I'm facing right now. I say all this to say, we have the great opportunity and privilege to pray for one another. And when we do that, and even when we encourage one another with that, you have no idea how God will use that to build up the people in your life. (coughs) He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. As people, we struggle with a lot of things. Remember, this is set in the context of spiritual warfare. He's talking about in the middle of your spiritual battle, which is sometimes the last time we want to go to God in prayer. He says, come to me in prayer. And and we face all kinds of battles. We, We face battles from within. We face battles from without. We, we face battles from within where we struggle with our flesh, where, where old patterns of how we used to meet our needs become commonplace in our lives. And instead of going to God with those old ways of trying to meet our needs, we continue to try to meet our needs. And God says, in the middle of that, you're seeking to find your own source of strength, of sustenance in the middle of what you're facing. He says, come to me in prayer. The way the prophet Jeremiah, I think it was, uh, termed it is he says, um, the Lord has something against you. <clears throat> You've given up the fountain of living water that I want to give to you. And instead you've gone back to the old cracked and broken cisterns, these water holding things in the ancient period where you'd get water, but it wasn't water that would satisfy Jesus' invitation is come to me that you might have water, that you might have life and have it to the full. And in the letter of James, James deals with how do we address the temptations of our flesh and how do we address the onslaught of the adversary in our lives because we're in a spiritual battle. And he writes it this way. James recognizes that there are sources of wars and fights among you, he says in James 4. He says, don't they come from the cravings that are at war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight, you war. You do not have because you do not ask. One of my friends told me, one of the things that we just need to learn, I think, more in prayer is that we just need to ask God. We just need to ask God and come to him and say, God, 
here's what I need. And I'm just going to leave it at your feet. I'm not going to expect, but I'm going I'm to leave this at your feet knowing that you're a good father. You, you, you don't have because you don't ask. You ask and you don't receive, James says, because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on your evil desires. <clears throat> James recognizes that even amongst the people of God, there are wars and fights, and these don't come from anywhere that is holy. In fact, it's part of the spiritual war that we are in. And it's the spiritual war we're trying to meet our needs apart from Christ. And prayer is a way for us to cultivate our relationship with Christ, not just to ask God for what we need, but as Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he says, here's how then you pray. Our Father in heaven. It begins with his recognition of who God is and who we are in his sight. By calling him Father, oh, that means that we can come before him as sons and daughters. That, that means we don't have to come with fear. That means that we can come boldly before the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that we will receive what we need in our time of need. We can, we can do this. This is our Father, this intimate and respectful <clears throat> way in which we approach the Father. But it says, hallowed be your name, or, or may your name be sanctified in and through me, Jesus is teaching. And then he, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because one of the things we learn in the discipline of prayer is that um, as we pray and as we seek God, God begins to do a changing work inside of us, where even the things that we thought we wanted, even the things that we thought would bring us life, oh, in prayer we learn that Jesus alone can bring us life. James goes on to say in James chapter 4, he says, but God gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. It says, therefore, submit to God. Submit there is a voluntary action, by the way. It's to voluntary say, God, God, you, you are much bigger than I. God, you are much more holy than I. God, I yield myself to you. He says, submit or yield yourself to God, but resist the devil and he will flee. We've been talking about spiritual warfare the last couple weeks, and one of the things that we have learned and studied is that we have the ability to stand. Not because of us, but because of Christ in us. Be because of God's power. And that power doesn't come through wielding a sword. And that power doesn't come through all manner of things. It comes through yielding our lives to the Father. Submit to God, but resist the devil. I think it's important. It first says submit to God, and then it says resist the devil. It's hard to resist when you're not submitted. You're walking through something right now. Maybe you're trying to resist temptation in your own strength. Would you stop trying to resist it in your own strength? Instead, first submit yourself to God. Will you, will you, will you say, God, oh, I'm working on this in my own strength. God, I yield myself to you. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And here's the promise of the scriptures. And he will flee. Right after that, another great promise of the scriptures. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. Go to God. And what is the promise when we draw near to God, James says? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. All we have to do, friends, is present ourselves. We don't have to do any sort of magic. We don't have to say a certain prayer in a certain way in order to make sure that we lined it all up. All we have to do is come to God with authentic 
intimacy and say, Father, here I am. I submit, I yield, I give myself to you in the middle of this. And then we actively stand in his strength. It's so important for our Christian walk. And it's so important for us, even as followers of Jesus, to encourage us, to encourage one another in our walk. Have you submitted to God? We could talk about this all day, but if you haven't yielded yourself to God, it's really hard to move forward with your anger, with your bitterness, with your resentment, with all the things that you're holding on to. It's really hard to move forward if you haven't yielded yourself to God. But notice what Paul does here. As he's talking about prayer being a, a center point of ministry, not only is he saying pray in all circumstances with all things for all the saints, <clears throat> what he says here is he says, pray also for me, all right? Here is arguably one of the greatest missionaries in the known history of the world. And what is he doing? He's saying, I need your prayers, believers at Ephesus and throughout the region. He says, pray for me that whenever, which has this idea of all, right? Whenever, because at any moment, he may have an opportunity to open his mouth. He says, pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I would fearlessly may be, uh, sorry, so that I may, that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul's walk is so centered on, I am here as an ambassador for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His desire is to be that faithful, constant ambassador. But he comes to these believers and he goes, I need your prayers. I need your prayers. I, I, I'm reminded, I was reminded this week, even in looking at this, is that prayer is the cornerstone to effective witness for Christ. Prayer is the cornerstone to effective witness for Christ. <clears throat> and Paul's saying, pray for me. He, he actually says in the next verse, he says, pray that I may declare it fearlessly. Remember, he's in chains. You know, he's an ambassador. He's in chains, verse 20 says. He says, pray for me that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The spiritual needs that Paul sees around him are so, so deep, right? The, 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 the um, challenges of being a follower of Jesus in a pagan context are, are strong, but he looks around and he sees the Roman centurion over here and he sees his guard over here and, and he sees all the people that he's known that have come from all these different kinds of pagan backgrounds or even religious backgrounds. And he says, pray for me that I may know and have the words to speak at the moment I have the opportunity. Paul, generally speaking, when I read the New Testament, I go, man, he's not afraid to say a few things. But here he's constantly engaged in asking these believers, will you pray for me as I engage in representing Christ here on earth? His prayer, he asked for boldness. Even Paul struggled with boldness in sharing the gospel. I'm so thankful for that. <laughs> I'm so thankful for that because it's hard sometimes to be bold in the moments that God gives us to proclaim his truth. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to speak with many people in my life and in our congregation who are burdened for the spiritual condition of family members and friends, sons, daughters, parents, grandparents, neighbors, 
These are people whom God has placed us in relationship with, whom God has given us the opportunity to speak Christ into. And in the midst of this opportunity, <clears throat> one of the things Paul is, is praying for, and one of the things that applies to us today is we need to pray for boldness to speak in these moments. And, and it's not just boldness to come in like a bowl in a china shop and knock everything down. When we pray for boldness, what we're praying for is, God, would you lead me by your spirit to say exactly what this person needs to hear? Because I can see certain things, but I have no idea sometimes what's going on in here. To be submitted and yielded in our lives is to say, all right, God, I want to say exactly what you want me to say, because all I want to do is be obedient. All God wants from us is to be obedient. You and I cannot change the human heart. We can boldly proclaim Christ. We can boldly point to Jesus as being the source of everything we need. We can encourage, but we cannot change the human heart. That is a work of the Holy Spirit, which actually, that, that, that just takes a whole load off of my shoulders, at least. I go, all right, God, I just want to be faithful. I don't want to be anything more than faithful in this moment. And God, I'm gonna trust that you're gonna take this person whom I love on a journey on what it means to trust you in their life. I can yield that to God. And I know many of you, you, you have loved ones whom you are burdened for. Jesus has called us to speak and to live the gospel in these relationships. But prayer, my friends, is the key to this ministry. Sometimes as we pray, the Lord may tell us through the working of the Holy Spirit, now is not your time to speak. Or, here is what I want you to say. Sometimes God will bring someone else into their path to say something that you might have wanted to say, but the Lord didn't give you the clear to say that. God is amazing in how he works. I don't understand how he works, but we can trust that when God leads us in a conversation and he works through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray for that boldness. And we, and we have that willingness to just say, God, here I am. Use me how you will. God will deliver whatever message needs to be delivered at whatever time, at whatever place. What he calls us to is faithful prayer. Because prayer is the key to ministry in the lives of people in our life. There are prayer warriors in our congregation I know who have been praying for the salvation um, for the salvation of a son or of a daughter or a parent or a grandparent or spouse. You've been praying for them for years, maybe decades, maybe even several decades. Oh, Ron sent me a, a thing this week, um, and it was a, a story going back. Um, several decades. I, sorry, the name just escapes me right now. But it was a story about a person of prayer over in England. You'd know his name if I said it, if I could remember it right now. <clears throat> um, who prayed for five of his friends to come to know Christ. A couple of them came to know Christ within a short few years. A couple of them took another several years. He prayed decade after decade for one or two of them. And it was only after he had already passed away that one of those friends of his came to know Christ. Prayer is something that even when we don't see an immediate answer, when we pray, we're saying, God, 
I may not see this in the moment, but I'm going to trust you for the duration. Pray, pray, pray. I think that's why Paul says pray without ceasing. Because he knows it's really easy to say, well, God, I didn't hear your answer yet. And it may be that in that silence, God is just saying, just wait, just learn, trust me. There's promises throughout all the scripture that people thought, God, why won't you answer that in my time? In the timing I want. And yet, the story of the Bible over and over and over again is that God is faithful and God will meet his people in their need. And even if that prayer that we pray is not answered within our time frame, we can trust a good and heavenly father. We can trust. Because prayer is a relationship. It, it's this practice that develops a relationship <clears throat> that develops trust. Our, our mission as Jesus followers is not to change people. Our mission is to make disciples in the power of God. It's to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, Jesus says at the end of his ministry. And then he leaves this last great promise. And lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. So, just kind of summarize a couple things. What is our role when it comes to spiritual warfare? What is our role in the spiritual work God calls us to? The first and most important task we have is to cultivate our vertical relationship with God. Let Him then be the one who leads and guides our life. Let this be the most important thing about us. Let us be faithful in this. And guess what, friends? When we're faithful in this, it can't help. It can't help but God's Spirit would just move in and through us to speak and to pray and to encourage the people whom God has placed us among in our lives. Ask God to, to use our relationship with him to further his kingdom. Be ready and willing to act boldly when led by the Holy Spirit. Again, it may take decades before we see some of the, what we would call outcomes of prayer. Sometimes we see them rather instantaneously too. And I think that's just an amazing grace that the Father gives. <clears throat> but the call is to pray with Persistence. In fact, Jesus taught this. If later you want to look at this, you can look at Luke 18, where he talks about praying. He, he gives them a parable on the need to pray always and not to become discouraged in prayer. Jesus uses this parable to teach, be persistent in your prayers. Keep coming to the Father. Keep coming to the Father. Keep coming to the Father. Know that he hears you. And know that as you come to him, an amazing transformational spirit-led work is going to occur in your life. My friend Bill Crowder once said, I wrote this down years ago, I was sitting down here when he said it, because he was preaching up here. He said, nothing of eternal significance is ever accomplished apart from prayer. Nothing of eternal significance is ever accomplished apart from prayer.
that sums up so beautifully why Jesus invites us into this relationship. I want to leave you in um, just a moment. We're going to celebrate communion together. But I want to leave you with a couple of suggestions for prayer. Some of these I've already said. These may just be kind of reminders. <clears throat> but here are a few. The first one is this. Remember, as believers, we can boldly approach God with confidence that he has promised us grace and mercy in our time of need. Hebrews chapter 4. Go to the end and look at that if that's something that you are struggling with today. Second thing is this. Petition God. Actually pray. Sometimes we have this practice of, I'll pray for you, and then we don't pray. Just don't stop saying, I will pray for you. Just stop there and say, let's pray, if you can. And if not, then you say, I will pray for you. And as soon as you have that next moment of opportunity, you pray. You, you go right to God, and you say, God, I'm going to remember this person right now. And God, would you help me to remember this person later as I engage in prayer? Another thing is, don't hold back in your prayers. All right, Psalm 62, 8 says this. It says, pour out your heart before God. He can handle it. Your prayers of lament, which most, much of the Psalms, not most, I think it's about a third of the Psalms are prayers of lament. Like, God, I don't understand. He can handle that. Take wherever you are at and go to the Father. Take your frustration Take your anger, take your hurt, take your pain, take your joy, take your thanksgiving, take it to God. He can handle it. Pour out your heart before him. He already knows your heart, so you might as well pray authentically. Pray scripture, right? Use scriptures to pray. Um, <clears throat> I was listening to this, uh, a, a Jewish, a Judaic Christian scholar recently, and he said, you know, when the disciples prayed for long periods of time, it was not just extemporaneous prayer. Um, there was extemporaneous prayer in, in the context of Jewish prayer. But a lot of what they prayed is they had certain prayers that they would go through. It's not bad to pray a already written prayer. You know, we have them all. We have a lot of them in scriptures. Uh, in scripture. We, we can pray these prayers Pray them with intention and focus. Let them be words to help you guide your prayers. When you're like, man, I'm stuck. I don't know what else to say, God. Oh, go to a psalm. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Psalm 100. God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to enter with praise. Maybe, maybe even sing. You know, in, in the Jewish context, singing was one of the ways that you could pray. Um, I love that. Even as we've gathered this morning, we've declared who God is. It's been part of our prayers. <coughs> Come to God, pray scripture, ask him to remind you of who you are in his sight. Um, establish a regular time and place for you to pray as you pray throughout your day. Many people really benefit greatly by having a certain time that's set aside where it's quiet and there's no distractions. Um, it, it may be driving for you. It may be really early in the morning. It may be exercising for you because you got something to do with your hands or your feet. Find those opportunities and remember, you're praying to a person who knows you and who cares about you. Finally, is this just a way to live this out? Pray small prayers frequently. Family, gather your family around. You're struggling with something? Pray. Just say, hey, can we pray for this? 
You, you see one of your kids struggling with something, say, hey, could we just stop and pray for that right there? Sometimes I think we spend, and I'm guilty of this, really, um, we spend more time in sharing prayer requests than we do in actually pray. Now, God knows our needs. It's not bad to share prayer requests, but it's good to just go before the Father and say, God, here's where I'm at. Pray frequently, family, church, even if you can at work. Say, hey, could I be praying for you about that? Would that be okay? Hey, could I pray for you right now? You'd be amazed at some of the opportunities God gives you when you don't expect something from someone else. You just say, hey, can I pray for you regarding that? Prayer is an incredible opportunity that we have to develop a relationship with a God who loves and who knows and who wants to walk with us. It's my prayer for you that you would walk in that knowledge and in that truth and in that life with Christ this week. Again, I'll pray for you. It's, I count it privilege to pray for my brothers and sisters. I ask that you pray for me. And I ask that you go before God because that's really where he begins to change your heart and your life. I want to invite our worship team to come forward, Pastor Tom to come forward. We're going to celebrate communion this morning. <clears throat> we have a few moments to do this. We have no Sunday school afterwards here. Tom's going to lead us through communion. Uh, we have the elements up here that he'll, he'll talk you through. Um, but could we just take a moment as they come and let, let's just pray. Our Father and our King, we thank you that you hear us. We thank you that you know us. We thank you that you care about us, God. We thank you, God, that when we come to you, when we draw near to you, your word says that you draw near to us. Fathers, we consider your body broken and your blood poured out. We remember back to what you have done to secure this relationship with you. Father, would you remind us that even as you sought to bring salvation for the world to come, you desire, you desire to bring deliverance in the midst of our struggle today. For all that and more, God, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.